Good morning. My name is Adrian Christian, and I am one of the pastors here at Trinity, and I'm so grateful to be able to share God's word with you today. We all know that we are in the season of Advent, and Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season of waiting on God to come. It's also a season when we look back and we remember that there were people who were waiting on the Messiah to come, and we remember what it must have been like for Jesus to show up on the scene. And it's a time when we look forward, we recognize that there is a second coming when Jesus is going to come back again, and all things will be restored. And it's a time when right now we get to look at the dark places of our lives and our world. And we get to long that God would do something in those spaces. Chris said last week, Advent is a time to teach us to look for and to long for God. We have these candles here. The first candle was lit last Sunday. It is the candle of hope reminding us that we are longing expectantly for God to work. Hopefully you had an opportunity to light candles at home. This week we will light that hope candle and we will also light the candle of peace. I don't know about you, but when I think about peace, I think mostly of the absence of conflict, the lack of war, and I would say that the, the word shalom, which means peace, it does cover that, but it is so much fuller than that. Shalom means wholeness. It means completeness. It is well-being. When we ask God for shalom, we are thinking about the world and our lives as it was meant to be before it was marred by sin. During this season, we have this opportunity to long for and anticipate shalom. And so today, as we engage Isaiah 40, my hope is that we would actually begin to have more of an imagination for what it looks like to hope that God is actually gonna work in those dark places. So let's turn to Isaiah 40. I'm gonna read verses one through 11. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, and the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight and the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, why shall I cry? 
All people are grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up. Do not fear, says the cities of Judah. Here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, we just thank you so much that you are here with us. We thank you that you are the God who speaks to us. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today, the places where we need to hear you and know that you are at work. Thy kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Our God speaks. If you don't hear anything else that I say today, although I hope you do, <laughs> our God speaks. The context of this passage is an interesting one. Isaiah 40. Chapter 30 ends, and it is, it, it is imagined that between chapter 30 in chapter 40, there is 150 years. God's people have moved from Jerusalem to Babylon, and they are exiled away from home. You all know, I imagine, what it's like to be away from home. Sometimes you feel a little lost. Their king has died. They're under the rule of the Babylonians. The temple has been destroyed. There is dismay. They're exiled. And they're grieving. And this is because of disobedience. It's a painful, silent time. There's no movement from God. And they feel very far from him. And during this time, they grieve. I know what it's like to grieve. Many of you know that my father passed away just a little over a month ago. Mourning is hard, and I'm sure that I will continue to grieve. And I know what it's like to be comforted in my grief. I imagine you all do too. Sometimes there's a particular look on someone's face. Or sometimes people give you a gentle touch. Or sometimes they speak words, those words that tell you that they see you and that they encourage you that you're not gonna stay in this place forever. We all need comfort. Our God, he is a God who speaks comfort to his people. 
And what we see in this passage is God coming and speaking comfort to a people who's far away from home, and they are feeling complete dismay. It's recorded in Lamentations, the grief that they were feeling. And I'm gonna read to you a little bit of Lamentations 1. She, speaking of Israel, she, sweep, she weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. Her downfall is appalling with none to comfort her. Zion stretches out her hand, but there is no one to comfort her. We get the sense of what Israel must have been feeling to be grieving, to be mourning loss, and the emptiness with no one to comfort her. And yet it is in exactly this place that God comes, and he speaks comfort, comfort, Oh, comfort my people, and he reminds them that they are his. I don't know right now what your Babylon is, but God speaks comfort to us. He speaks comfort to you in your Babylon. Take a moment and just imagine it. Where is that place in your life right now where you feel the most dried up, hopeless, in pain, the place where you feel alone or afraid or even separated from God. It's possible that it's because of something you've done, but it's also possible that it's not. Something totally out of your control, a relationship that's broken, or a job situation, or maybe like me, you've just lost a family member. In this Advent season, just like God did for the Israelites, he says, comfort. Comfort, my people. He gets that look on his face as he sits with us. With a gentle, a gentle touch, and he speaks words of comfort, encouraging us that we will not be in this place forever. Not only does God speak comfort, but he speaks comfort actually in the wilderness. It helps me to know that God is actually in the wilderness with me. <laughs> wilderness is a theme that we see throughout the Bible in the book of Exodus and Numbers. God's people, they're walking through the wilderness. The wilderness is a desolate place where people are wandering. And what the beauty of the story of God shows is that God was actually with them. He was guiding them. If we think about the Israelites, they often complained. They were tested. But God, he provided for them, not abundantly, but every day he gave them what they needed. We can look back and remember, oh, this is the God who speaks to us and who guides us and he is present with us even in the wilderness. And what's such a good thing to remember as well is that that wilderness, it leads to the promised land, to something good. And in the wilderness, a voice 
cries out, prepare the way for the Lord. The voice cries out, get ready. He's coming. God is going to do a thing, a good thing. Here we have Isaiah speaking that out. He's speaking it to these people who've been exiled, who are literally away from home. And in the midst of that wilderness, he speaks comfort. And he says, prepare the way of the Lord. And we get John the Baptist. John the Baptist, 400 years, people have been without a prophet. And John the Baptist, he steps up on the scene and he starts speaking in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. God is about to do something. The Messiah is coming. That wilderness place where you are right now, God speaks. Get ready. He is coming. He is going to do a thing. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. If we sit and really think about a desert and a highway, what unexpected contrasting imagery. When I think of a desert, I think of a dry place. Desolate. Prickly. Think of cacti. But when I think of a highway... Think of Atlanta. There's lots of highways in Atlanta. And if you think of highways, there's lots of movement on those highways, lots of life. Highways are big construction projects. And they get us somewhere. And they get us to the place where we're going quickly. God's way is a highway. <laughs> and it leads us home. When we think of our wilderness place, sometimes it's hard for us to think of God building a highway in that place. The question is, what if God actually wants to speak to us right in that dark place? We have to make a way for him to move. God says to us in the, in the middle of the wilderness, our desert, prepare a way for me. Get ready. I'm coming. As I was thinking about this, I thought, but how do we make a way? What does that actually mean? To make a way for God when we're in that low place. And I think of two words, faith and action. Faith holding on to the hope that God is actually going to do something. That his desire is shalom. And we have faith, even though we can't see how it would happen or when it's going to happen, that we would actually hold on to hope. Not hope in ourselves, but hope in God. In action. We actually make space for him to work. I think about uh, Pancho and Pity. They built a school. They made space for God to work. I think about a prison ministry. Brad and I went uh, last week 
to a fundraiser for a prison ministry. And there was this woman who was a choir director who had taught prisoners songs about Jesus. And I was thinking, wow, such a dark place. And yet, to hold on to God's word in such a dark place, that ministry is making a way for God to do his thing. In our personal lives, we engage the things that help us experience God. We live in a world that is so busy, and it's so noisy, and it's so fast, and God is working. But sometimes we can't hear him even though he is speaking to us. And we have to stop in order to hear him. Making a space for God to do something might involve confessing our sin. Repentance, turning around, changing our mind. Isaiah 30 says that in repentance and rest is your salvation. And Tish Harrison Warren in her book about Advent, she speaks about repentance. She says the call to repent is not a call to get busier or to do better. It's a call to step back and pay attention. It's hard to pay attention in such a busy world, but we have to find silence, time to be alone with God, to slow down. And I bet there are some of us in this room who say that just doesn't work in my life right now. And I wanna call your bluff. Yeah. Sometimes it means we have to say no to something else so that we can stop. Sometimes it means that we have to be vulnerable and ask somebody else for help so that we can slow down and get quiet. But being quiet and being alone, we will hear God's voice. It's a way that we prepare a way for him. And then there's beauty. Being out in God's creation helps us to see God engaging in music and art. It helps us. Or playing. As adults, sometimes we don't want to play. That's so childlike. God wants us to be like children. <laughs> it helps. Sometimes it helps us to hear from God. God speaks comfort to us. And he does that while we're in the wilderness. He tells us to prepare a way for him. And he speaks words of hope in our darkness. What we have in, chapter, in verse 4 of this passage is this beautiful imagery of valleys that will be lifted up and of mountains that will be made low and of rough places that will be made smooth. One of my um, favorite books is the book of Genesis. And I also like the book of John. And both Genesis and John, they speak about light. Genesis says, God says, let there be light. And there was light. And then when we get to John, John 1, we hear about Jesus who came as the light. And the darkness did not overcome it. 
Here we get a little picture of this light that God is talking about, this perfect shalom, where those places that seem like valleys, they're just the lowest of the low they are to look at those places, but God, he makes those things level. And as we look at the mountain that just seems too steep, for God, they will be made low. God says, I am going to bring light to your dark places. He also reminds us that one day God will again be fully present with his people. We will see God face to face and his fully glory his full glory will be revealed. And we have this beautiful passage in Revelation 21 that says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, but I can believe in the ultimate shalom. One day God is going to restore all things. That's not hard for me. What's hard is right now and the waiting. The hard thing about prophecy is we don't exactly know what God is gonna bring to its completeness right now and which part of our lives. And so sometimes we don't even hope. And I will say that the longing is something from God. We long for shalom, and that comes from God, and that is good. And we can anticipate that actually not only in a day when Jesus comes, but right now that God wants to shine his light in those dark places. And you know, God is present with us. He left for us the Holy Spirit. As believers, we have a comforter, a helper to guide us. He is with us. Today, God is still light in our dark places in the world. Whatever that place is that seems so dark in your life, that seems impossible, God says, as he did in Genesis 1, let there be light. And he says as he did in John, the darkness will not overcome it. What does it mean in our lives right now to actually believe that, to long for it and anticipate it? The end of verse five, God speaks. It says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What that means is God's word is true. What he says is true. And it is lasting, everlasting. It will not change. There is this contrast between grass and flowers and God's word. Grass and flowers, they're gonna fade away like our flesh. And yet, God's word, it will remain the same. And in a world that tells us that there is no truth and that, oh, that Bible thing, it's too old. God's word says the exact opposite. It has 
spoken. His mouth has spoken and it remains true today. Finally, God speaks really good news. For those of you who've heard me speak before, I really enjoy the original language. And the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and there is this word that shows up in verses 9 and 10. It's the word behold. And I think of behold, it's like look upon, gaze upon. And it says it three times, behold your God. Look upon your God. It's like grabbing someone's face and say, look, look at God. Look who it is. Remember who God is that we say we serve. We forget because we are forgetful people. And the invitation is actually to read scripture, to listen to it. Look at the Gospels. Let's look at the life of Jesus. That is God in flesh here on earth. Behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might. He is the strong one, the warrior king. He is mightier than any obstacle that's in our way. Behold, he comes with a reward. He is the Savior. He brings with him the gift of salvation, of freedom, of life, of movement, of wholeness, of healing. And that is a free gift. Finally, this passage talks about how he is the good shepherd. He tends his flock, he takes care of his children. He keeps close to the needy and he's tender. Sometimes I think it's hard for us to imagine God that way. And I want to encourage you to watch The Chosen if you struggle with that. I think they do a great job of portraying Jesus as gentle and loving and tender. That is our God. For the past year or so, I have been encouraged to really look at my dark places. And I think during the Advent season, that's what we get to do. That's the encouragement, is to think of our own lives, those places where maybe we fall short, the places that seem impossible. Maybe they're broken relationships or the temptations that we have. I've been encouraged to do that. And my tendency would be to step over them, like, oh, this isn't real and kind of go past them or want to move through them too quickly. And also my tendency would be to think that, oh, if I look at my dark places a little too long, I'm never going to come out. And I will say that it takes practice. But sitting in those spaces, as I am reminded that God is with me and engaging the dark hard places with God has been so healing and I think helps me to one more step towards shalom. What I sense in the times that I stop and I find silence and I say, God, this is what's going on. This is the impossible. This is too hard. This is where I'm hurting. As I recognize that's 
my desire for shalom. And I, every time, cry. And God, he is near to me. And I sense him with that look on my face, on his face. <laughs> Pure compassion and comfort, I see you. There is a healing that comes from that. My hope for you today is that you would be able to experience God in a way that I have been experiencing him. That you would be able to be honest with God of those places that are dark and it's, I'm waiting, God, for you to work. That you would have anticipation for what he's going to do. My question for you today is what are those places, what are those dark places that just seem impossible? Too hard. And as we remember that God is our comforter and that he is with us in the wilderness, as we remember oh, that he is the mighty one, there's nothing too hard for him, and that he shines light in those dark places. His word is true. That you would make space for him to engage those spaces with God and that you would be able to hear him speak words of comfort and light and truth and goodness. Thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven right now. Amen.